Deer plugged in. You in on this? Toyota's versatile SUVs roll up their sleeves and take on tough jobs, dress up for a night out, or haul your family and friends with their spacious interiors. And they're available with some real sweet tech. Want a hybrid SUV? Oh yeah, they got those too. All with a slew of standard features so you won't break the bank. Get the juice at Toyota.com, folks. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for PSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Bev is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is also offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. I am your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph, coming back to help me out once again. Nathan, what's up, dude? Not a whole lot. I'm excited to talk about some guys that are actually in the AV system today. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about AVS prospects today. Um, so that's definitely, uh, it's, 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 like, it's nice to go from talking about like, oh, these are these kids that they could be drafting and this is how they would fit and this is what they would mean and this is who they would hope, this is who we hope they would become to getting into a bunch of kids that we're very familiar with, that we've seen play games, that we've seen develop, that we've seen grow and adjust in the system. And, uh, you know, some guys have had some successes and some guys have left you scratching your head a little bit. Yeah, there's still a number of them that we still have to do a lot of projection on, but we don't have to project what jersey they'll be wearing in the NHL. So that's nice. (laughs) Always, always one of those things where it's like, it was it was so funny with Makar because he's worn so many different numbers in the different places he's played. Yeah. 
I was dying for him to take nine. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people were hoping for I that. wanted it to happen so badly. And uh, after he took eight, I tried to track it down and see if he'd requested nine, and they told him no. But I couldn't get anybody to give it uh, give up the dirt on it. So I'm assuming that it, it just didn't happen and it didn't exist. So they're saving it for the fourth overall. It's fine. Oh, that would be also fun. <laughs> it would have been fun had they gotten third overall and yeah, that would be given funny. it to that guy. <laughs> And then it just becomes like a, a thing, right? Every time the Evs pick third, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, they are not picking uh, third this year. But one one thing that they did pick, as I poorly transition into this, uh, was a backup goaltender for next year. We saw last week the Avalanche signed Pavel Francouz to a one-year, one-way contract worth $950,000. Let's go ahead and talk about that. We actually have some actual avalanche news to get into, so I'd like to dedicate this first segment to getting into that. Uh, Pavel Francouz, 28 years old for right now. He turns uh, 29 next week. 950K. Initial thoughts on the deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Frank. I think he absolutely earned it, and you couldn't really ask him to do much more than he did down in the AHL. I, I would fully expect him to be the backup next year at this point. I He did an interview with Eurolanch, I think it was, and he didn't come right come out and say that he was done with the AHL, but he pretty much implied it. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be exciting to, to see him get a shot. Yeah, how much How much of this is just the obvious plan coming to fruition? The one that we saw set up a year ago with all the moves they made. Yeah, I, I do think it is a lot of that. There's plenty of, of room there for Francis. Obviously, there was the Varley conversation there, but from a strictly economic standpoint, this makes the most sense. Yeah, it, you know, a year ago, I would say that this is one of those obvious plans that we saw uh, put into place that worked out more or less just the way they wanted it to. Pretty much, yeah. You, you can't, again, you can't ask for any more from Francis. And then, obviously, Grubauer put it together well at the end of last season. So, Varley came ex- became expendable pretty quickly down the stretch. It's it's kind of amazing because uh, we were, you know, February is when uh, Varley looked like he had kind of turned the corner and put it all together. Yep. And he sort of started to bring them out of the doldrums a little bit. And it was like, you remember in, in February, we were sitting around like, they have to re-sign this guy. Yeah. And here we are uh, in May. Francis is has re-signed. Varley is set to go to the market. And everybody's just sort of like, thanks for the memories, man. Like, we, every, you know, most people appreciate Varley for uh, the time and the effort and, and, what what few bright spots they were able to accomplish together or you know varley and the organization uh over the eight years that he was here and then yeah he's pretty easily the the second best avs goalie in their tenure as a team so i don't think it's even that close to be honest uh unfortunately for a lot of his time here they just they didn't put a great team in front of him and that 
didn't help him much, especially in the injury category. And it just kind of came to a head now. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, they asked, they asked a lot of him in his time here and, you know, he was, he was certainly a man under siege at times, but I think, I mean, there's no doubt that he's the second best abs goalie of all time. I don't even, I don't even think you can begin to make an argument for anybody else. Yeah, I, right. I don't even think it's that close. I mean, he was a legitimate starter for a long time, which is something the Avs haven't really had since Waugh. So, yeah, and and now you know you're. Hey, if if Grubauer takes over that mantle, then they will have had a pretty solid run of goaltending. Right. So exactly. let's you know hoping hoping at the starter position that that's that. Uh. So Francis is re-signing. I think this one's pretty obvious. It sets him up to be the backup. Yeah. We said this a year ago when he was signed that, uh, you know, before the Grubauer trade, we were like, hey, he could come over here and compete for the backup job. They have they've, they they need to do something else, though, to bring some more competition in. You can't just turn it over to this guy. He's totally sight unseen. Uh, they did that. They brought in Grubauer. Uh, Frankie does a great job down in the AHL with the Eagles, was an all-star, led them to the postseason, at times was seemingly the only guy of theirs that, that kind of showed up and did okay. Um, really, it's for me, I'm I'm surprised. Um, what, what I'm surprised about is they convinced a KHL all-star in his late 20s, you know, in the heart of his prime, to spend a season in the AHL uh, proving himself after he'd already done that in the KHL, arguably the superior league to the AHL. And he not only does that, but he proves himself and then is willing to come back and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm the backup now, you know, like I'm, I'm not fighting for a starter job. I'm clearly like my role is to be the backup here. Uh, you can you compare that to what Nico Koskinen has done in Edmonton, where you know Francis took a six hundred ninety thousand dollar contract. Nico Koskinen got paid like two million, and then got a four million dollar extension because of like eight good games in the NHL. And Francis is an AHL All Star and doesn't even get a million dollars out of it. How much of this is Francis? you know, doing, living up to his word, but the abs also playing this really well. Yeah. Well, I think the Koskinen extension at least was something else a little bit, but it was a, it was a ended up as good as you could have hoped for from the abs side of things. I'm, I'm very happy. Frank is back. I am a little bit surprised like you are, especially because it felt like there were times where the abs had an opportunity to play him in the NHL and opted not to last season. But, you know, behind the scenes, obviously, there is enough there for Francis that he thinks he'll be able to be a full-time NHL or even if it is a backup next season. So I think it worked out about as well as you could have hoped for the Avs. And this way you get Frank on a surprisingly cheap contract, at least for this year, and you have an opportunity to keep him relatively cheap going forward. Yeah, it's it's really sets them up um, to to be in an interesting situation. You know, 
it's it's funny because we're always talking about expansion, right? Like, yeah, everything everything the Avs do is now like under like the shadow of the expansion draft, and I'm wondering if this is like this is like the dark horse guy right here. You know, this is this is a guy where you're like, huh? I wonder if if Frankie continues to play well. I wonder how seriously the Seattle team would consider him as one of their two goaltenders. I mean, having Seattle take a goaltender would be awfully nice. Even if Frank or if Francis is good enough to earn it, then great. But it, it's hard for me to see, especially after what happened with Vegas and Pickard. I can't imagine they're going to be targeting, even if it's potential starter level of Francis. It's just hard to to target that. I think you'll get more value elsewhere. It will be it will be interesting. Um, wonder because like the the Pittsburgh thing, everybody saw coming. Right. I mean, if you have a team with two clear cut starters, which I mean, hopefully Francis is that good. I'm not holding out for it. But <laughs> right. That would be a bit of a different conversation. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm I am curious, like which team ends up getting punished for having too many good goaltenders uh, this next time around, because I'm not, I'm like, I'm looking around the league and I just, I don't see an obvious candidate yet. Obviously we're two years out and this is kind of a wasted conversation, but I just, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I do wonder about Francis as a potential dark horse for that, that, that conversation, just because, he has been really good at every level he's played at. He's stepped up. You know, we saw him very limited NHL time last year, looked great and ended up a hard luck loser in both of the appearances uh, that he made because he made relief appearances and the Avs came back in both of those games and he ended up giving up the game winning goal. It was like the fifth goal that they score. He gives up one goal and he gets he gets the loss. Yeah, he he has like an NHL career save percentage of nine fifty and a record of zero and two. It's yeah. pretty brutal. It well, and and I you know I remember I was in Arizona. I was covering the Coyotes game where he made his NHL debut. Uh, he'd gotten called up. I pounded the table and said he should have started that game. Grubauer had just played an exhausting game the night before in Denver against Chicago. Uh, He played three games in four nights. He had no starter stamina built up at all because he'd just been riding the bench for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was such an obvious situation. And then Francis came in and played fantastic and absolutely sparked that team. And they came back in the third, they came back from that big deficit. They tied it up. And then that game-winning goal was that weak trash wrister from Brad Richardson just inside the blue line where he was just throwing it on net uh, to keep the puck in the zone. And Francis never saw it, and somehow it beats him. And it yep. was just like, the world is cruel. Yeah, it uh, it didn't quite break his way, unfortunately, in both his, his times in the NHL. But still... It, it ended up well for the Avs because the fact that we're even having a conversation about Francis potentially being an, an option in the expansion draft and he's going to be relatively cost-controlled until then, yeah, it's pretty nice for the Avs. I mean, that frees up a good chunk of cap space for them. 
Yeah, well, and that, I mean, that's obviously projection two years down the road, but knowing that they're not sitting around messing with $2 million in, in a backup, they have two years of of cheap goaltending if they want it. If Francis obviously lives up to uh, lives up to the, his potential and, and does continue to play well, then they will get two years of very cheap goaltending combined. Yep. Uh, you know, right now they're set, they're set to spend. They, they go from being the third highest spender at, at goaltending where they were spending uh, just under $10 million to they will be spending what? 4.2 next year. If that four point like one or zero, even. Yeah. I think. So not, uh, that's, that's a much more cost efficient approach to a, to the position. Yeah. Uh, and Francis, you know, certainly excited to see what he does. What, you know, now they've got, so now they named, they now have Grubauer, they have Francis, they have Werner. What's left? Uh, they needed a, a legitimate number three. Um, I actually am not too worried about it. I don't even think they need one with significant NHL experience. I mean, let's face it. If you lose your top two goalies, you're going to have to outscore your opponents every night anyway. So personally, I would be looking for something more along the lines of uh, number three, that if things go well with Werner, you can look to switch them around and have Werner be the starter in the AHL by the end of the year. I, I think the guy, the types of guys that I've looked at um, that I think would be the right style um, for for this spot, I think it's like Andrew Hammond and Scott Darling types. Yeah, like Hammond would be perfectly fine. You know, like Hutchinson. Um, these guys that we know are not NHL goalies, but can in a pinch get get you by for a couple of games if you have injuries as your number three, but you're also not like committed to them. Uh, in the AHL, so it's very easy to, oh, hey, you know, if yeah. if Warner does blow up and he does play great, like, hey, the prospect is priority here. Um, right. So you, you know, you, you kind of approach it that way with, with that in mind. Um, those are, those are the kinds of guys that I would, I'm hoping that they go after for that, that spot. Um. And it and you know it would be fun to bring Hammond back uh, for a more appropriate role and let him do his thing and yeah. yeah that that'd be fine. Again, I don't think it really matters too much if they lose both of their goalies for a significant amount of time. They can throw a fifth at somebody for a backup and not worry about it. So yeah, or I mean, or they can claim Calvin Pickard whenever somebody right. puts him on waivers. Like so. They'll have plenty of options if they're that desperate for a goalie in the NHL. So, yeah, any type of vet that can fit in a pinch and if things work out, Warner can overtake is perfect. Yeah, well, and, and like the market this year, that's basically all there is. Yeah. You know, like you have a couple of legit starters on the market and, you know, Bobrovsky, Varlamov, and Leonard. And then after that... It's an entire like goaltender UFA market of uh, guys who are either like pure backups at this point or like these like number three guys. And it feels like Philly tested out about half of them. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Philly, Philly technically owns the rights for several of them. Yeah. 
you know, they've got they've got Cam Talbot, Brian Elliott, Michael Neuverth, and Mike McKenna all under all under uh their umbrella right now. Yep. God, what did they play like nine goalies last year? I think did it get to ten? I'm not sure. Yeah, I just insane, man. I ugh. If there's ever if there was ever a reason for me to be um feeling good about a Philadelphia bounce back next year, it's that yeah, yeah. they couldn't possibly get more unlucky. And they at, found uh, a, a Carter Hart in the end, so it might have worked yeah. out okay, but <laughs> Right. Well and, and it's funny because like you know you know that they didn't want to do it. Yeah. You know that they were like, oh, we really don't want to go here. We really don't want to go. We just want to let our like star young prospect just marinate and do his thing. We really just want to leave the kid alone. Okay, fine, we'll play him. And then they go on this like this this crazy tear with him. And and then, you know, he started he came back down to earth, but the numbers yeah. all still ended up looking great. And you're like, Well, I guess now he's your answer. <laughs> he's ready, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So uh at the end of the day, would love to have Carter Hart, but in uh, on the other side of that, thank God. Colorado isn't Philly. Yeah, it could always be worse, right? Yeah. All right. On on that note, on thank God Colorado isn't Philly. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about coffee. Because we have some game changing coffee that we love we love to tell you guys about. Strava Craft is a CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it more to our listeners. I could very much use some right now. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. It does over segment number one. Here is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. We'll be right back. Welcome back in segment segment here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm AJ. He is Nathan. We are us and we are hanging out here. Done talking about Pavel Fransu's backup goaltenders and all that good stuff. We are going to get into Av's current prospects. Um, this is something that I have not gotten to dedicate as much time as I'd like to in recent years. Uh, during the season, for obvious reasons, it's difficult to do when you know you're around the NHL team all the time. You know, I got up to Loveland a handful of times this year. Uh, I greatly enjoyed that AHL live package, man. I thought that thing, the improvements. Uh, well, I'll say the price for it certainly yeah. made it a lot, a yeah. lot easier to accept its faults. Yeah, yeah, the Eagles were a fun team this year too. Uh... A lot of, lot of flaws underneath, but much better than what it's been in the AHL for the Avs in a long, long time. I Honestly, I there was like a part of me that felt awful for Rampage fans. Yeah. Because like when the Avs showed up, the, uh, the, the, I think it was the Panthers is who that they, who their yeah, prospects were. Right. Yep. Like the Panthers had been, uh, they'd just come off like a division title. It was like the it was like the best season in Rampage history, and then the Abs showed up and Great it was to the basement, <laughs> right? And it was like not any good. Uh, it was all you know they they were not they were not good at all. 
Nope. And then uh, they they split, and it was like, oh, all of St. Louis's prospects are the good prospects here in you know in San Antonio this year. And then the Avs bail, the Avs make the playoffs, and the Rampage stay in the basement. And it's just like, dude, I grew up a Houston Arrows fan, so suck it, San Antonio. <laughs> Uh, on that note, it was an interesting year for a lot of these prospects. We are going to get into who we think are Colorado's top 10 prospects today. And a couple of things, uh, a couple of caveats so that people understand how we built these lists. We had a couple of pieces of criteria that we felt were important. Number one, Kale McCarr does not count. Like technically, Kale McCarr is still a prospect and on prospect lists over the next uh, several months leading up into the season. He'll still be on probably all of them. Technically, he has not graduated yet just because he doesn't have the games played. He will graduate. And so for me, there's no point in having him on there yet uh, or having him on there anymore. It's just, it would just be to to make the app system look better than it is. Yeah, no argument there. So we decided, we both agreed it would be dumb to have Makar on there. Um, he would obviously be the number one prospect. He'd be like one through five on his own. Pretty much. Um, so it's, he's clearly their best like young guy, but um, we not going to have him on the prospect list. Cause we're looking beyond the NHL team here. Uh, we also decided that uh, he has to be under 23. So um, Logan O'Connor turns 23 this summer. So that cut him off the list as well. Uh, it also removes like guys who have been in the AHL for uh, a handful of years, uh, like AJ Greer. So that's how we built it. Did I miss anything? Nope. I, th- I think you got it. Pretty much just chopping off some of the guys, like you said, Greer, Toninato, the older people that you can't really consider prospects anymore. Right. Like they're, you know, and, and it's funny because uh, the, a guy in that list uh, would be Kamenev. Yeah. You know, he's he's um, just 22 years old, but because of the NA, he's he's been in the NHL the last two seasons. And, like, he would have easily broken all the games played and all the everything. We would, we would not be coming close to calling him a prospect. Right. Uh, if, if he'd stayed healthy. Um, because he he was gonna be part of the team, so um, that's that's how we got here. Is we didn't want any of those like tweeners or like oh well this guy's obviously an NHL guy, but you know whatever. So that's how we that's how we got here. Um, let's get into this. Number one, and and it turns out our lists are remarkably similar with just a couple of differences. So it'll make going down and talking about them a lot easier instead of being all over the board. But number one, we each have the same guy at top, uh, Martin Kaut. Yeah. You know, I think the top five especially is pretty easy right now because we haven't gotten through the draft yet. Uh, But Kaut specifically is pretty easy to put at number one. He's by far the closest in the organization to taking the next step to the NHL. Obviously has the pedigree from the first round and had a very, very solid year in the AHL. So... I have very few complaints about his game on the whole and fully expect him to, at least by the end of the season next year, be full-time in the NHL. 
talk to me about the 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 first year in the AHL because I I get people that hit me up pretty frequently uh and they say, "Hey, you know, how do you feel about Cout? His numbers don't look great. How should I how should I feel about it? What, what kind of year did he actually have?" I mean, there aren't that many players on the Eagles with great numbers, if you want to put it that way. Besides Agazino and Greer, I'm, and I guess Worsovsky, the scoring basically just falls off a cliff for that team. So 26 points is actually fairly solid for the team as a whole. And beyond that, his, his best part of his game was his defensive play and his intelligence. He, he was just a fantastic forward at circling back, covering for defensemen and making smart reads. He was never afraid to hold on to the puck a little bit longer to let the play develop things like that. Uh, he probably would have scored more if he wasn't held back by his offseason issues, especially as the year wore on. You could see the conditioning just it wasn't there and and he trailed off a bit. So that's part of it, too. Yeah, a, a summer of not being able to train properly and get into the kind of shape that he needed to get into because of the heart condition and not being on the ice for as long as he was. It really uh, it really complicated how you're going to feel about his first year over in North America. This obviously was not Miko Ranton in 2.0. No, I don't think anyone expected him to be, if you knew what he was coming out of the draft either. Um, he's, he's just a solid all around player. You know, the offense is never going to totally blow you away though. I do think it's sneakily better than he showed this year, mm -hmm. but you're, you're getting a guy out of him that you can plug into your third line or middle six and just not have to think about it. And he'll be just fine. Yeah. He is a guy that, I am very curious what happens with him next year because I do think the X factor is that conditioning and how he comes into training camp. Because if he if he trims some of the baby fat and he gets into the kind of shape that he needs to be getting into, he could come out and look like a totally different guy in camp. He could there could be a level of of dy dynamic play there that last year didn't really exist. Yeah, absolutely. There, if he comes in with that, there is definitely a chance that he can make the roster out of camp. It's I don't want to put that chance too high because it always ends up being tight. But I wouldn't write it off entirely either. Yeah, it's it's tough to get like it's it's tough to be really really high on those guys uh, because you just don't totally know what to expect coming into camp. Right. Um, I do think he's in an interesting situation. Uh, because of his age, his ELC slid last year, and so it's not set to to begin. Maybe even this year. Um, again, he could he could stay in the AHL for a full season, and the 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 ELC would slide again, and then the Avs would essentially get a five year ELC out of it. I think financially that's a temptation, but I think when you're talking about uh, prospect development, you yeah. really want to see more than that from him next season. What are your, what are your ultimate expectations? Uh, what do you, what do you think you'll see from him next year? I expect a, a first line player in the AHL to start the season. Um, I think the scoring will absolutely be there. I expect conditioning to be, I don't know if it'll be perfect. Like mm -hmm. we, he would have to have to make it out of camp, but I think it'll be plenty good enough and honestly, if he's not in the NHL by Christmas, I would be surprised. And if he's not sticking in the NHL by the deadline, you know, unless something goes significantly wrong, I would be a little disappointed by that. 
Uh, I I would be um, just because if he doesn't make it next year, you know, you're going to have two more first round picks coming in potentially at the forward position, uh, more free agency, more whatever, whatever, whatever. The process continues to go. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't get himself involved in it, when does he? Becomes a right. very real conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I think that conversation has already started for uh, some of the other guys on this list. Honestly, already we we're we're now down to past number one, and we're going to start having that conversation. I have Connor Timmons as my number two. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely fair. I have him at four, but. Timmons is—it's just the question marks around him, right? He's absolutely a high-caliber talent, mm-hmm. and it just depends. Like once we see him, probably even in training camp, we will see what he's capable of after missing a year, and then you'll be able to make a, a more clear read. Yeah, I still have him uh, at two, just because I believe he'll be. I still think he's got that second pairing potential. Uh, that that top four guy that can be a, a nice compliment to some of the other guys that they have, you know, all the, all the skating and the electric guys getting up and down the ice, you know, they've got three of them now that can do that. Uh, and I think his IQ is going to fit in really nicely on that blue line long-term. I'm really not, I'm not sweating his injury right now. Uh, I'm not sweating the concussion stuff. It just, it sounds like there was so much progress made at the end of the year that had it not been the end of the year, we'd be having a way different conversation about this right now. Um, But there's nothing wrong with playing it safe. And, and, you know, they were worried about the training and all that, blah, 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 blah. But for me, he's still number two. If he's healthy, he's the number two prospect. He's got the highest upside. He's got, uh, the the role I, I think where he's going to fit in is going to be is going to make a lot of sense. It's going to be really good stuff. Do you see him getting NHL games in the coming season at all? Because one of the current concerns for me there is I think he's going to need pretty much the whole year in the AHL. Um, I I think he would have to show with their defensive depth as it currently sits. You know, if they let Nemeth walk and they buy out Barbario and they just rely on Graves and they don't bring any other veterans or anything. I could definitely see it, but because of the depth that exists right now, I think he would have to, he would have to blow everybody out of the water to get NHL games, especially early. I could absolutely see games in like March when, you know, they've got injury issues or, um, you know, they've had ineffective call-ups, you know, last year we saw them rotate. Uh, we saw them rotate call-ups until they found a guy that could come in and actually help. And I could see them do something like that again until he gets his shot. I don't know that he'll be priority right off the hop. Yeah, I I think that's fair. It's how much priority does he get compared to because right now the top prospect defenseman call up is probably Malosh. Until I mean, it sure as hell should be right. So it, it's just a question of how much priority he gets and how long it takes for his game to the, get to the point where they're more comfortable with him. Um, but yeah, and like like you said, in, in March, I think it's a lot more realistic, especially if he, he's gotten to where he needs to be. But we'll just kind of have to wait and see with that one. Uh, who do you have as your two? Bowers. Okay, let's get into it. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I liked his season. Unfortunately, BU had a, kind of a tough year, and you saw a regression in his scoring. But scoring has always been the question mark for him. You're you're bringing him in to be more on the uh, defensive type of center for you, and. When he got his AHL game at the end of the year, I stopped worrying about it entirely because just like a snap of the fingers, he fit in right away in the AHL, had no trouble transferring his game to pro. So I think he's another one that I I would like to see get NHL games in the coming season as like an injury call up. I don't think he'll really be able to stick, but it, it would be nice to see him in Burgundy. I feel like if he if he were to get called up, uh, it was because something something went wrong elsewhere. Uh, either right, they mean, had a rash of injuries or wildly ineffective play from some guys. Well, yeah, it, it depends on who they sign, of course. But the way Kamenev gets injured, you know, yeah. we saw them spend sixty games this season trying to play not centers at center on their bottom line, so. Bowers could solve that issue real fast. <laughs> well, and and I think that's an area where that's going to help them so much this year is that one, they have a guy like Bowers down there developing, right? And yep. but two, he's also available to them should they need him. Right. And you know, we saw it with the centers last year, you know, you're it it just it dried up so quickly. It did. Like the trying to trying to make it work with you know with Kerfoot at center and then Comfer and then Jost and okay now none of these guys are working out and they can't they, they can't play together and so we've got to keep these guys away from each other and then this guy's got this and this you know yeah it's it's definitely a tough situation when when everything you're trying just doesn't seem to be working down there. And, and part of that was, was not having a guy like Bowers in the system. So it was, it's nice to have a piece like that, you know, before they tried to use Toninato as that kind of a guy. And it just didn't end up working out as well as they had hoped, despite, I mean, honestly, he had a good call up this year, but, but Bowers is like Toninato plus plus. So. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think plus plus is a good way to put it. Is is my only my only thing is is there's no need to rush with him. Uh, if he ends up playing a full season in the AHL with the Eagles, that's okay. Yeah, it's not going to hurt him to play the full year there, but definitely 2020, 2021, he should be getting NHL games. Yeah, definitely. Um, number four, uh, I've got Nick Malosh here. Yeah, I had Malash at three, so. So we just moved some guys around a little bit. The two, three, four around a bit, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Malash is the defenseman in the system as far as prospects go. That's the closest to the NHL level, right? So he would be the call-up if it comes down to that, or should be at least the call-up if it comes down to that for the abs until, like we said, Timmins proves otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's his, his, he's going into his third pro season. He's taken good steps forward. He's continued to be who he has been at every level. Um, I I don't... Mm, I've always really liked his game. It's It's not sexy. It's very reliable. It's very steady. But he's got a little bit of offensive pop to him. He's got a nice shot. 
Um, he's a he's a guy that can generate a little bit of offense, but he's really a classic like stay at home, you know, knock your teeth out the back of your skull kind of defenseman. He's a dude that hits and has a real nasty edge to him, but he does it intelligently. Uh, he's not going to hit like Zadorov, but he's not going to frustrate you in the same way either. Yeah, he's he's a little bit more pesty, I would say. Um, he definitely does have a bit of a mean streak. Uh, it, it's interesting, the Eagles, particularly Schneekloth, love to activate him offensively. Um, so at times it's a bit hard to get a read on him because they love to just shoot him up the ice and play him off the half wall in the offensive zone and things like that. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, I do think his defensive game did take some steps this year. Uh, that first year, you know, he was making some pretty questionable decisions. And as this year wore on, you saw less and less of that. Yeah, I, I really, he's always been a guy like, I, I I really appreciate defensemen, and so watching his all-around game has always been something I've really enjoyed, and he's always been a favorite prospect of mine. Uh, and I've always felt he's been overlooked in the abs in in the abs prospect pipeline, and and by um, like the big prospect guys because there's there's nothing sexy about his game. You don't you don't watch Nick Malosh play and be like, oh my gosh, like you don't walk out of there thinking that there's anything like overly special about him. He's just really, really damn effective. Yeah. He's, I kind of compare him to being a lot closer to what we wanted Siemens to be. I think that's, I think that's very fair. You know, a good skater that's got a great size and good physicality and can chip in offensively and, and play like a smart physical two way game. That's exactly who he should have been. That's a, that's, I think that's very fair. Right. So the the big question with him is, is when does he get his shot? Uh, you know, obviously there was, I was hoping he would get a shot in this past season, but Graves stepped in and, and performed great and deserved the spot. So that kind of just pushed Malosh down the list a little bit. And, and now it's a question of how do they get him in there before the arrival of Timmons, before the arrival of whoever they draft this year, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, well, and certainly if they if they add Byram, it certainly feels like that's that's the Yeah. You know. He he is Got who no for room. whom the bell is tolling. <laughs> yeah. At that point. So for sure. Um, but we both really like him. I definitely think he's got an NHL future ahead of him. Uh, I do too. The fact that Tampa Bay has tried to trade for him like four times over the last two years, three years, uh, I think should be very telling to to the Avalanche that, hey, when one of the top organizations and one of the top organizations at identifying young talent is beating down your door trying to get this guy out of your organization and hoping that you're overlooking him, maybe you should spend some extra time on him. Yeah, pay a little attention to that guy. Yeah, um, he is... He is a guy that I know other organizations around the league very much value and and like. Anaheim is another team that I know has made a taken taken a run at him before, and you know to obviously he's still here. So to Colorado's credit, uh, he hasn't gone anywhere. But I do wonder, you know, 
going into the third the third pro year with no NHL games played, it's it's a it's a thin line because you go through a first pro year and you're like, oh, you give him time. But when you go into a third pro season and he hasn't had any NHL games played, you start to ask, you know, okay, well, when does it happen? If it doesn't happen this year, how much trouble is he in? The time is now or never a lot of the time in that third year. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I feel like that's where we are with Malosh right now is it's got to happen now or we just may never see it. Yeah. I, I agree. Unfortunately, good kid too. I, oh, I unfortunately yeah. don't get the chance to talk to that many players, but he's one of the ones I have. And, and he was just a fun interview. Yeah. He, uh, I've been up there and I've talked to him a handful of times and he always kind of gives me the, like, what are you doing up here? Look, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't really have an answer. It's usually just like, look, man, I just, I dig, I dig hockey. Okay. So it's uh, better than the, I have no idea who you are. Look. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I've gotten from some guys too, even though I've, I've met them like four different times and I still get it uh, from some <laughs> of them. And I'm just like, okay, okay, guy. We'll put any of them on blast here, but um, all right, fifth fifth guy on our list. This is where we converge again. Yeah, um, but we had the same guy here, which is kind of funny because this was a guy that was not highly ranked, was not highly drafted, and yet he ends up at number five on both of our lists in Nikolai Kovalenko. Yeah, I mean, you cannot discount making the KHL as an 18 year old. That's, and it really is a feat to accomplish. And beyond that, his, his strong international play as well is what puts him up there for me. His, his tenacity, he plays exactly like a player that you would love to have in like a third line scenario. Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, had name recognition the second he got drafted. Yep. but did not have any kind of prospect shine on him. And I think he's a he's a great example of how hard it is to get to, to figure out who guys are in Russia. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think a ton of teams just didn't even bother to try. And, and the Avs did, and it benefited them big with that pick. Well, and we've seen them keep trying. You know, they've, yeah. they've been pulling guys out of, I've, I've got, I know you have three Russians on your list. I've got two. Yeah. Uh, and that, well, and, and obviously we each have a goaltender since we made separate goaltender lists as well. Um, they keep trying, man, with this Russia thing. This was not like a one-off with Andre Miranov where they took a swing at it and didn't work and they never revisited. That was the beginning of this. Yeah. I mean, it really was. And, it's. I think Kovalenko is really the first piece where you're going to see the fruits of that start to pay off. Obviously, with Miranov, it, it didn't quite work out. But with Kovalenko, the opportunity for it to benefit them largely is definitely there. I do think uh, you say that, you know, you can't discount making the KHL as an 18-year-old, uh, especially on a team that finished fourth in the KHL. Like yeah, this is uh, this look, is not you know Kunlun Red Star here where they're at the in the bottom right like right. this is this is a a very good KHL team yeah and it's it's a really easy comparison to make because also on that team was Gregory Denisenko 
and they scored the exact same amount in the KHL. <laughs> so this is a guy you picked in the sixth round that's scoring at the mid first round, same exact situation. So that's pretty exciting. It definitely, I mean, you, you certainly are starting to feel like, Hey, this is, this is a real, this is a real prospect here. Yeah. And, you know, coming, coming out of the draft last year, I was excited about him, but it was very like, well, we've got to see what happens. Uh, But a year later, and I'm like, this is a, this is an easy bottom six guy for you. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, the, you know, good defensively. We saw that in WJCs. Um, a guy that a guy that can help in a lot of different areas. And I really, I'm super curious what happens over the next two years. Where you know where his offense goes, where you know how how much does he develop on the offensive side to maybe you know, push his projection up a little bit more where we're not talking about him as like a, Oh, put him next to Bowers on a third line. And you know, you're have the makings of a really good line. Yeah, that that is definitely the question. Um, His KHL scoring, even a lot of his tournament scoring was off the back of cleaning up uh, garbage in front, which is something the Avs actually need. (laughs) But uh the things like picking up more assists is one thing I really would like to see out of him using his teammates a little bit better. And I'm not sure exactly how high that can go. I think there's definitely a a relatively high ceiling there. Yeah. Well, when you saw, you know, obviously very limited action, but he dropped down to the MHL last year in the postseason. Yeah. And that was just silly. (laughs) And he had no issues whatsoever. He was like, Oh, okay. So this is what it's like to not, not be playing like stars every night. Yeah, I, he very quickly realized he was the best player on the ice down there and took care of business. <laughs> it's being with a good KHL team is is both a good and bad thing in that if he gets minutes, you think it's going to be a quality experience for him. Right. The downside of it is can he get minutes? Yeah, I I think he'll have no problem. He it was a bit of a weird year. When he was playing, he got plenty of minutes. I think he his average minutes a game was like 11 or something this season. But he was a healthy scratch for that team fairly regularly as well. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think he'll be pretty much a full-time player with that team getting plenty of minutes going into the future. Yeah, he played, he played half their games this year. And that's really the only thing that I have with this whole Russia thing. It's it's way less of a, will he ever come over to North America for me? I, that really, I can't tell you how much I don't think about that anymore. Most of these guys, if they have an opportunity to come to play in the NHL, they're going to take it. Especially he showed up to the draft. So you have to think like, I, I just, I just, I'm just not worried about that aspect of drafting Russians anymore. My biggest concern is what, what's going on over there? Why is it, why is it such a disaster watching those guys develop and and you know your you, the organization is in no control of it. They just have to sit back and hope that whatever Russian organization owns their their drafted players' rights does right by them and puts them in positions to succeed and play and develop. 
you know, we talked about it with Pod Coles, and that was my big concern. And you know, as much as I was, as much as I'm hyped about Kovalenko, watching him play half their games this year is like. This is unnecessary. Just put him in your lineup. He's a good young player. Just play him. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that the younger players can can kind of get caught in the middle there, right? Because they generally don't like putting those guys in the VHL, and the MHL isn't a good enough league. Yeah. So they again they they kind of find themselves riding pine in the KHL a lot of the time. But it, it looks like he has kind of managed to power through that situation and, and should be set up. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that he gets, you know, just a consistent burn and he can just develop properly and, you know, we'll see him in a couple of years. That's, and that's, yeah. I guess that's the other downside here. The Russia thing is that you're always going to be waiting a few years on these guys. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's got two years left on his current deal. Um, he does. And then it would make, it would make all the sense in the world two years from now to bring him over. Uh, he'll be 21 going into his age 22 season. That's, that's the perfect time to bring him over and give him a, give him a look. Yeah, I agree. And his game is, is very well suited for smaller ice as well. So I don't think he'll have much trouble adjusting. All right, that's going to do our top five here for, for Avs Prospects. We have the same five, just in different orders. Um, we don't have the same bottom five, however. We have the same six through nine in the same order, but a different guy at ten. And then we have goalie lists, and our goalie lists are quite a bit different, so... We'll, we'll get into all of that here, uh, you know, here moving forward. This is been a long second segment, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Before we do that, though, I've got to pay the bills. So this is where people usually skip things forward. But if you don't, this is the this is where I tell you guys about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I don't often partake, but when I do, uh, there's a green solution right by my house. And I honestly, I followed the instructions of this read first time I used it and everything, everything went perfectly. I was like, okay, well, if you guys are going to make it this easy and give me 20% off my order every time. I guess I know where I'm going now. So, Green Solution, thumbs up. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. We'll be right back. Welcome in. Third and final segment here of today's BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. Okay, Nathan. Let's get into this. The last five of our top ten abs prospects today. And then we'll kind of get into what all of that means. Yep. Number six. I think we have the same guy here. I've got Nick Henry. Yeah, so do I. Coming out of the WHL, he... Hard worker, good skater, good shot. Uh, Looks like a bottom six guy to me. I'm kind of just... Eh, on Nick Henry at times. 
there are times where I love his game, and then there are other times where I'm I'm just like he comes across sometimes as a guy that's out there who looks like he's uh better than he is because he's trying hard. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I think if he had an inch or two more and 10, 15 more pounds on him, his play style would work a lot better. <laughs> uh, but I, I do like him at six. It was very close for me between six and seven, to be fair. But I, I gave him the little bit of the edge because of his offensive ability. Yeah, same. Uh, and and he does play, much like Kovalenko, a, a good style for a, a third line role or bottom six role. Uh, like I said, if he was a little bit bigger, him running into people might do a little bit more. But he, he still has the tenacity to chase down pucks and things like that. He's another one who got a little bit of AHL time at the end of the year. Definitely took him a bit more time to adjust than it did for someone like Bowers. But by the end of the playoffs, he was contributing fine. I am excited to see what he does across a full season. Uh, you know, they yeah. they need uh, offense with the Eagles. It was a big problem for them at the end of the year. I'm hoping Nick Henry, I mean, he's not going to do it on his own, obviously. He's not going to be like, oh, Nick Henry's here. Offense solved. But I'm hoping that he can help them take a step forward uh, and actually be more of an offensive team. Because I I really do, I've always really liked the shot. Um, I I think that it's translatable. It could be, you know, it would work in the NHL. Um. He he does. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Matt Calvert, honestly. Um, just that that really hardworking, undersized bottom six guy that is gonna just will his way to success at every level. Um, I think he's maybe has a little bit more skill than Calvert. Yeah, I would agree. But. It's also hard to look at Calvert, uh, you know, as a guy, like a consistent, like 24, 25 point guy in the NHL and say that, you know, he has more skill than, than, uh, than Calvert does, because if they got that out of Nick Henry, if they got a 25 point guy, a long-term 25 point guy that can kill penalties for you uh, and, and was a valuable role player for you, I would love, I would be thrilled with that. Yeah. So would I, um, just back on the Eagles point a little bit. Yeah. What Henry can bring to that team is better team play. Uh, the Eagles suffered badly, badly from needing individual efforts to score goals this year. And Henry, as well as some other people on this list, like Bowers bring a bit more continuity. I would say players that can play off each other a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And especially on their power play, that will help them a ton. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to how it all plays out. Um Henry's a guy though with a muddled timeline. It is. I really don't know what to expect. And like going into a first pro season, no pressure. Yeah, for sure. But definitely like we talked about with Malosh, you know, it's a thin line between first pro season, you're not expecting anything. You just want him to go out, play well and develop and do his thing and get better. Show show positive signs throughout the course of the season, but by the end of year two, if he hasn't been promoted at all, it's it's very much like 
all right, well, where are we going from here? Yeah, it's it's a bit muddy right now because you have guys like Toninato, Dries, Logan O'Connor all in the system. And realistically, those are spots that you would like to see Henry move up into throughout the course of this coming year and then start to push for an NHL job after that. Yeah. But will a lot of those spots open up? I'm not so sure. And how far can Henry take it? That's another question as well. Yeah, and and I I mean, just the raw competition here, the numbers game here. Yeah. You know, because when you look at Colorado's system right now, it's forward heavy, but very few high-end guys here. You know, there's – it's like Martin Kaut is the only one where you're like, oh, that's a guy that has a top six future. You hope. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about uh, things have gotten jammed up because, you know, there are there, – you know, Matt Calvert and Matt Nieto are under contract for the next couple of years. Yeah. You have you have a number of you know Shane Bowers is is a guy that's competing for a, a bottom six job. You know, Nick Henry, Ty Lewis, uh, I guess even even a Travis Barron you could consider. These are all guys, you know, um Logan O'Connor, all guys that are fighting for bottom six spots. Pretty soon there's gonna be a Kovalenko coming across the pond. They're gonna have a whole other draft class. That's that's going to be coming in and is going to be fighting for these jobs. It's it's very it's a very thin line between promising prospect and missed opportunity. And for a guy like Henry, that window may be very 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 small, and he's got to be ready to go through it when it's time. Yeah, it's it, the the window will for certainly be very very short for him to to find his way in and it usually is for these guys but with the abs especially they just have so many players at both the NHL level and the prospect level that project as third line bottom six guys that you know it's just going to be cannibalistic down there and and one guy's going to come out on top whoever it is yeah i <sighs> It's it's always it's funny because you're like oh they've got all this depth they've got all these guys and then realistically like one guy will emerge from that pack and you'll be like oh well okay. pretty much yep um, and it could just as easily be this next guy on our list in Ty Lewis yeah like like who, I said it was really hard to separate the two take take everything that we just said about Nick Henry and apply it to Ty Lewis without as much offensive uh, without as much belief in the offensive game translating. Yeah, um, it was, you know, at the start of the season, it looked like, dang, okay, his offense was actually going to translate. And then he started to fall off a little bit, and then he fell off a little bit more, and, and the offense just couldn't quite keep up consistently at the AHL level this year. It was still good, but not quite to what I see Henry being at. Mm-hmm. And Lewis will be entering his second year pro in the coming season. And this is it's go time for him. He's really got to step up and, and lock down a top six role in the Eagles to have a shot going forward. Well, he was also one of the last cuts from Colorado last summer, uh, last training camp. Yeah. And so, you know, you know that the team likes him, you know, that they wanted to give him that extra long look. Uh, he also proved in a very, very limited time down in the ECHL that he does not need to spend time yeah, down there. No, having him down there was just silly. I mean, he was doing right for the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> it didn't end so well for him, but right, right. But yeah, Lewis had zero problem scoring two points a night down there. So just don't do that. Right, like he needs to be. He needs to be in the NH in the AHL working towards an NHL future. Yeah, uh, he is a guy that I think suffers from Colorado's willingness to use their ECHL team for guys like that. Yeah. I- it was dumb to do it in the first place. Like we said the Eagles, especially at the end of the season needed scoring. And Lewis was much more capable of providing that than some of the guys they rolled out. So that was a bit disappointing. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a so conversation some, for another. Pod. Some of the yeah. stuff they do, man. I just, <laughs> I know I'm with you. I I just shake my head and I I there's no justification there's no I and I can't make sense of it just flat out I don't understand it where I'm just like ah, all right whatever um but anyway moving on um I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on Lewis because it's the same exact conversation as Nick yeah, Henry pretty much uh very different conversation for this guy on our list it is. We'll call him Igor. <laughs> yeah, that last name's an adventure. <laughs> I just can't say it. I don't know why it's not that hard. It's like Shvirev, and I just... Even that, saying it, it's, it's like ripping cardboard in my head, where I just... <laughs> uh, uh. So I'm going to call him Igor for the rest of the segment. Uh, came across the pond, came from, you know, after a completely wasted season... Uh, in in Russia, came over to North America last year and had what you could very generously term an adjustment season. Yeah. yeah. He was another guy that started out the season and picked up a couple of points early and you went, wait a minute, maybe we have something. And then it, it just fell off entirely with him. And obviously, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't know a single word of English when he landed. So I am you know, also they, pretty sure of that. <laughs> they, you know, there's pictures on the Eagles Twitter of him with like English 101 books on the bus. And <laughs> so it, it was a pretty big just living adjustment for him. So I, I'm willing to write off some of the stuff for that. But he's another guy that you can see there's definitely talent there. He's just got to get comfortable and step it up. Yeah, he was a guy where, and also, you know, playing fourth line center on an AHL yeah, team. Like your line mates that were junk. major context there when yeah. they stick you with Kale Kessie and they're like, here, go make magic happen. And you're like, <laughs> Dude, is this a prospect you care about or not? Like, what are you guys doing here? So yeah, it, uh, some of the, some of the usage that he had last year certainly left you wanting a little bit more for sure. But overall, I felt pretty good about his first year. You know, he survived it. He didn't, he, as far as we know, he isn't like, screw North America. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, as long as he sticks around and he sees this through, I think that there's a chance they could get a real player out of him. I loved his vision when I saw him in person a handful of times. Yep. I love the passing ability. I love, I love the way that he sees the game. There are times where I think he's playing uh, an NHL game in the AHL, and that's very and, – and some of the guys that he's playing alongside just weren't equipped for that. Yeah. 
And there were just little things that he can do with the puck. Uh, little little things that showed his vision and his creativity and the, the way that he sees the game is is already for me at an NHL level. Uh, but it's it's putting all the pieces together. It's putting all of it and consistently making it happen that is going to be his uh, his big challenge over the next couple of years for him to get it. I think he gets a little bit more of a runway than guys like Henry because he does have that higher skill ceiling where you can dream on him a little bit and you just say, okay, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens when he gets a couple different, you know, a couple of years in North America with some real opportunity and, and some top six time to actually make things happen. Yeah, for for sure. And I think he's a guy that can benefit from playing with players like Henry and Lewis, because those are the type of players that understand a system that can function around him and he can get them the puck and they can do their thing once he gets them the puck. And it, it can help all three of them to really work together and, and create goal scoring instead of having to pass to Cody Bass every game. Oh, God. <laughs> I was there for the four point game that they did not give him. <laughs> yeah. That was uh that was such a frustration for me because it was like so obvious that he was the guy on for, who had he should have had four points that night. Yeah, I, and I walked out of that arena and Sergey Boykov had half of his points <laughs> attributed to his name. It's it's a mess, man. I I've been working on some draft uh, shift by shifts, and one of them, the player I was doing ended up a plus two on the game because whoever with the score was can't read the numbers. He wasn't on the ice for either of the goals. <laughs> it's at every level below the NHL level, the scoring is just an adventure. So if you need a reason not to trust the box scores, there yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, and, and anybody that ever does any kind of like box score scouting, you know, as we call it, like it's don't do that. Yeah. To begin with, like, just don't, it's never going to go well. Yep. But uh, anyway, so Igor, a guy that I think, uh, you know, that's still a couple years for me. For sure. And a lot of adjustment. I, he needs to take a big step forward this year, though. He does. For right. me to really continue to, like, strongly believe in him. Right. And and he needs to start getting the point production. Right. As that comes, you know, hopefully he's continuing to get more comfortable in North America. And then in his third year of his ELC is where you really want to start seeing him take a step toward the NHL. Yeah, that's when he really needs to make them make his move. Yeah. Uh, number nine on our list. I believe our lists are still the same. Um, I have Sample Ranta here, the third round pick from uh, the USHL last year who just finished up his freshman year at the University of Minnesota. Yeah, same. He's I've watched a lot of Ranta more recently, so I'm pretty comfortable with what he is, and he just has to keep himself engaged. All right, well, did let's let's get into it then. Yeah, I mean, he started out the season great. He ended the season great, and in the, he had a one section in the middle of the season where he played well. And what gets him going is staying engaged, fighting for pucks, and playing angry. Um, mm -hmm. he obviously has the body to be a physical force at times. He just mm -hmm. has to use it. And when he starts going cold, you just see him totally disappear and, and give up on plays. And it just is kind of a compounding problem for him that 
he's just got to solve. And we saw it even got to the point where he was a healthy scratch for Minnesota in one game, like two thirds of the way through the season. And thankfully that worked for him. It seemed to wake him up a little bit and he came back and started doing what he needed to do again. So if he can do that more consistently next year, I think he'll be, he'll be looking at a contract for himself. Yeah, I'm, I was not a big fan of the pick. Um, the IQ really bothered me. He was very much a guy that played in straight lines in the USHL and was all, he was all tools, right? Yeah, for sure. It was, it was your classic, like all tools. Where's the toolbox kind of guy. Yeah, it's, you know, I actually don't mind his offensive IQ. Um, I think he can understand the play well enough to get himself into the correct spot and, and feed his teammates okay uh, when he's engaged, like I said. But on the, on the defensive end, he's nowhere. He just totally lost. I love his skating, uh, and especially at his size. Yeah, of course. Because, and that's the thing that always surprises me about him, just how big he is. Yeah, he's he's a large kid. And, like, what are they putting in the water in Finland? <laughs> right. To be producing guys that are the size that they are, but have the skills that they do and have the feet that they do. Like, I'm, if he hits, man, he's a home run. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if Sample Ranta hits, if he lives up to his potential, he's a 25-goal guy and a potential game-breaker in the NHL. I, I agree. I, I think it would take a lot to get him there. Yeah, oh my God, but, a lot. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you get lucky with those type of guys. Uh, but, he I mean, the biggest thing for him is, besides the engagement, he's got to get his defense to passable levels. It doesn't have to be, like, great, but you got to be able to throw him out there in a defensive zone face-off at least, because right now you just can't. I certainly didn't mind uh, the production from a you know from a freshman on a uh, on a um, an okay. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him put the puck in the net a couple more times. Yeah, I would agree Be- with that because his shot is is too good to not have more than six goals. But that's a guy that in the USHL just set up and. On the power play, they would just feed him, and he would just blow pucks by goalies. Right. Like, that was a lot of his appeal as a prospect, is the fact that he could just flat-out wire pucks. And that Minnesota didn't use him that way is kind of like... Like... Yeah. Why? Nah, he's not the only as prospect with issues of usage in the NCAA, but... but. <sighs> I think he's set up in an okay spot for, for his sophomore year there. He should step into a top six role and, and be able to score a bit more consistently. I think uh, that's another guy that I would say likely two years and then you give a contract to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he takes those steps forward, of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he puts up 15 points next year again, then forget it. But Right. But if he does do the offensive things he can, I think he'll earn a contract and then the AHL will be a whole different beast for him. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that has to attack each of the levels individually. That's, I don't think he can skip any steps. He's he's just, I don't trust the game enough. He's got to, he's got to prove it. 
that's fair. Uh, okay, well, down all the way down to our 10th spots, our, our last prospect here. Um, let's do these guys pretty quickly. Um, I'll let you, I'll let you lead off. You have a defenseman here. Yeah, I have uh Danny Z, Zaravlyov. Um, it, it was Z. really, yeah, little Z. Um, it was really close with my guy at 11 who, who I know you have at 10, but I think that the skill is there for him. Um, obviously the big question is how consistent he can be and what he's going to do in the coming season. I would love it if the Avs could get him over to play in North America somehow, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen. That would have been a coup for them. Yeah. They um, need that. They need his skill set exactly on that defense. Right. I, I agree. He's the puck moving skating type of guy that they desperately needed, but he he had a weird year playing in the VHL mostly, uh, and the team like tasked him with this super defensive style to play all year, so he didn't score much, even though that's kind of why the Avs drafted him in the first place. But he also, at the beginning of the season, was one of the last cuts from the KHL training camp, so I do think there's a decent chance he could get on the KHL team. And he kind of is going to need that if he's staying in Russia. And if he can do that, then we're somewhere. If he ends up back in the VHL again, ah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, he is a guy, and he was my 11th one, and I went back and forth on uh, him because I I like what he – I like his skill set. I have absolutely no feel for his future. I yeah. I don't know where he's going to play. I don't know what role he's going to play in. I just, I don't feel comfortable with him in like the VHL black hole where yeah. it's like the tweener league. You know, he's not destroying the MHL uh, against, against his age group, but he's also not in the KHL, you know, pushing himself and develop. He's in this weird no man's land. Uh, where it's like, do do prospects ever emerge from this thing? Like, I I just don't feel comfortable with where he is. Uh, the sooner he gets over here, uh, I feel like the better. Because like a guy like Kovalenko, oh, I'm disappointed he's sitting. But at least when he's playing, he's playing regularly and he's playing in the KHL every night. They're not moving him around all the time. Uh, the exact opposite for Zhiravlov, where I feel like he needs to be he needs to be in a similar position. He needs to be in an organization that wants to play him in the KHL. Uh, otherwise, the Avs need to be trying to do what they can to pry him out of there and get him across the pond uh, to to play with the Eagles and get some actual time. I'm I'm the only reason I really have him at eleven and I'm, and I'm kind of meh on him is because I don't trust uh, that development track in any way. Yeah, that that's a perfectly fair criticism. It's where he ends up this year will will move him up or down the list quite a bit, I would think. Now, the guy that you have at 11 and the guy that I have at 10, a guy that I absolutely loved last year when they took him. I loved him in development camp. High skill guy, very very tiny though, Tyler Weiss. Yeah. I I like him too. Um I think he had the potential to do a lot more this year. Unfortunately, he just ran into injury troubles at the start of the college season and it set him back a good bit. Yeah. I believe his first 10 games, he went scoreless. Yeah. And, and you saw too, by the end of the year, he was putting it together and starting to produce pretty regularly. It was just already too late to really put numbers up. 
Yeah. I mean, you go scoreless in your first 10 games. You play 25 games and you finish with 11 points. Right. And you're like, okay, well, though he had 11 points in his last 15 games then. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, you really, you, the second half of the season is confirmation of why the Avs took the chance they did on him, you know. But the first half of the season was the fear when they yeah, took him. Definitely. It, it was like a perfect example of both the good and bad of Tyler Weiss. Can he hold up physically? Well, he gets into college and the immediate answer was nope. <laughs> Yep. But the skill was there. It it was, and and he honestly could have scored a decent bit more too. That Uno team is it's a bit sparse for talents and he's definitely more of a pass first player, so I do I do I love the smoothness of which he plays though. Everything looks easy. Yeah. He plays at a high pace, he's a really fast skater. Um he's got a nice shot. He's he's just a really good offensive player, and yep. like Ranta, uh, he's a he's an all all or nothing kind of guy. For like, sure, they're they're either going to get a top six player out of this, and they look like geniuses, or they're not getting anything. Yeah, there's just no chance that players like that function in the bottom six. We've seen it so many times before. Right. I I mean at at best at very very best uh, for an NHL you know, working out in terms of a bottom six guy is he kind of turns himself into a Matt Nieto type. Right. And I, that would be disappointing. Uh, And I don't really think he'll be capable of doing that on the defensive side either, but yeah, remains to be seen. Yeah. I mean, Matt Nieto didn't become Matt Nieto until the Sharks made him that way. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So, you know, he, you know, he was a scoring star at, at Boston. And then all of a sudden the Sharks were like, Ooh, you're not quite good enough for this. You're going to have to find another way to succeed. Yeah. It turns out scoring in the NHL is pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, and Matt Nieto is a great example of a guy who's got, he's got the smarts, he's got speed, he's got some skill. But he just lacks that next level of finish yep. that keeps him from being like a real, like high level impact player. Absolutely. The, the, scored, the line between Matt Nieto and like a lot of like top six guys, not elite players, because those guys are a completely different animal, but like like the 50, 60 point guys, you know, maybe maybe the 40, 50 point guys. You know, the, the line between Nieto and Kerfoot, it's so small. Yeah, if Nieto shot like five percent better, he'd be close to a forty-point guy. Right. So. It's it's just so small. So, in interesting uh, when we get into a guy like Weiss, that does it for our top ten. I do want to get into one last topic here. Uh, I know we've gone long again, but I do I do kind of want to touch on this before we get out of here, and we can touch on this more as we get closer. Um, oh, we we forgot goalies. Let's just do goalies really quickly. Yeah. Um, for me, my number one is Werner. He just signs. He's in the near future. He's the only one that has a chance at having any real NHL impact, in my opinion. So you've got uh, Werner one. Who's what's the rest of them? Uh, and in two, he's the young prospect with the high pedigree. He's he's a project, but he has the highest ceiling, I would say, of, of anyone the abs have. Three is Shmakov, who's honestly just a total mystery still at this point and four is Kavacha who unfortunately I just don't think it's going to work with 
Uh, I've got Ananin at one just because I think he's the one with the highest upside. He's the only one that I could see if things, you know, it all pans out. He ends up as a starter. Yeah, um, I have Warner too because he, the proximity, what he's shown so far, but I think he's more of a backup. Yeah, um, and then I've got Kavacha three just because, uh, like you said, Schmackoff is a total mystery to me. And that's why he's my, that's why he's my fourth goalie. Yeah. Is because he is a total I'll mystery, totally and I was just uncomfortable with that. And so, as a result, Kavacha gets a little bump up. But I think there's a clear delineation there between the top two and the bottom two. Where for sure the top two, you feel like you, hey, there's there there are lots of reasons to feel good about those two guys. Uh, yeah. Different reasons, but lots of them. Uh, the bottom two guys, if you're feeling good about them, you're irrationally attached to them, or you're related to them. So that's, you know, there there's they have not provided enough reason on their own yet to be to to have any kind of strong opinion about them at all. Yeah, I agree. Uh okay, so we've gone through the system. Obviously, I have eight forwards and two defensemen. You were a 7 and 3 split. They need to add some defensive talent to this pipeline. They do. They they absolutely have to draft at least two, probably more like three or four out of this coming draft. You think that many, huh? My problem uh, with doing that is then that you have to sign all those guys within the same time period. And I mean, you can sprinkle it out, take some guys from the CHL, take some longer ones from NCAA. Right. Like that's, that's, if that's the approach, I'm all for it. But if you take four CHL defensemen, I'm like, dude. Yeah. You can't have that many on the two year path. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on now. And I mean, like one of them is like a seventh rounder or something. It's like, all right, whatever. That's fine. But um, I, I, it's obvious that they need an injection of, of talent. Uh, I would say the biggest weaknesses are high end talent. There's there's no game breaking guys here. Like really, like you're dreaming on Ranta and Weiss to become those guys. Pretty much. Um, but otherwise, you're talking. You know, Cout is a middle six guy who, if he maxes out, is a second line guy. Uh, Bauer, same thing. Timmons, same thing. Malosh, same thing. And then after that, it's all depth players. Yeah, I I pretty much agree there. Um, they definitely need the talents, and they have five picks in the top hundred this year, so it's it's the time to get it. Yeah, I mean, time to time. The time is now to to strike and and rebuild this system. I'm curious. Uh, I'd like to do a post draft show with you where we do the same thing. And I'm curious how much this list changes. Uh, a lot. I I don't know who we're taking, and I can already confidently say you'd be seeing at least three or four new names on the list. I, I mean, obviously, four and 16 are going to jump into your top five. And then yeah. uh, after that, you would fully expect the second round pick to push. Uh, for me, that would it would probably jump Henry. Yeah. Depending on who it is. Least- eight nine and ten and then maybe even the third round picks potentially could get involved in moving those guys down yep so that's and that's without getting into any late round guys that they i might really like you know that's so it's gonna be it's good this is why this draft is so important is that it's replenishing the system it's rebuilding it it's a huge injection of of talent that the system needs because it's 
it's really started to kind of hit a little bit, just a little bit of a dry spot after uh, the graduations. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of graduations over the last few years for the abs and, you know, Kerfoot and Comfer and, and Jost and Kamenev and, you know, Greer and although a different, that's a different kind of graduation. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Gerard obviously wasn't really ever like a prospect, but then McCarr, lots of these guys that have kind of taken themselves out of these, you know, that, that have moved on out of the system and out of, out of being prospects and are NHL guys now. And that's the cost of doing good. Like that's what happens. That's how it works. You building the farm never ends. Right. And you have to, you have to continue to, uh, you know, replant the seeds and, and go from there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, this is the time to to do it, especially if we do start to see the promotions of guys like Cout or a Timmins. You know, they're they're looking really thin without that next wave. Right, really, really thin. Which, in some way, you're like, oh, that's not good because you really don't want to be that thin in your in your farm system. But at the same time, you're so young on your NHL roster. Yeah bunch of guys you're going to have locked up for a long time. <laughs> yeah, your defense the Colorado's defense right now average age is 26. Uh average age of their forwards right now is 26. Yep. It's it's an exciting time for sure with all the talent on the NHL team and the fact that we get the opportunity to build out the farm team as well with this draft. It's I'm man, I'm I'm really amped for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, want to thank you again for coming on and uh, talking with me today, breaking down some prospects and such. That's going to wrap it yeah. up, man. That's our that's our show, Yahtzee. We're uh, we're all set. So any uh, any final words for the people? I'm uh, just happy to be on. I'm sorry I run long all the time on the show, but uh, keep keep an eye on the prospects. It's always exciting to see these guys make it to the next level. That's all I'll say. All right. That'll do it for us. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by total beverage. We will see you guys tomorrow.